this morning we are continuing in our series called Polluted. And we've been studying the book of James and walking through week by week talking about what does it mean to live out our faith in practical ways and avoid being polluted by the world. And today's a little different day. In fact, I'm curious, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you are feeling a little uncomfortable right now. Or at least you're sitting back wondering, why are things different today? What are they doing with Vision 15 early in the service? Because that's at the end of service. How many of you are like me and you have a plan and you come in and you know the plan and it has to go according to plan, and if it doesn't, it leaves you uncomfortable? Anybody? I'm always that way. I've got a plan, and we're going to work the plan, and we're going to make sure the plan works, and don't get off the plan. And when things don't go according to plan, it's rough. Well, guess what? You can relax, because you're not in control today. And neither am I. See, here's the reality. Control is an illusion. We like to have a plan. We like to think we're in control. We like to think that we can do things about it, but the reality is we're not. See, he's the creator, and we are the creation. It's God who's in control and not us. And we get that backwards all the time. So we've intentionally changed things up a little bit this morning because God laid something on my heart, and I want to try to be obedient to that. And in order to do that, I wanted to have some time at the end of our service today that there were no distractions. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because we've done a lot of great things already today. But I wanted to make sure that we could focus on one thing as we came to the end of our service today, and that was what God laid on my heart. And so we're going to talk about that some. In our James study today, we, we hit this point where it's, it's really a pivotal moment. It's, it's a moment where James is kind of shifting gears, you might say. And it's a time where he, he pauses and he kind of reflects on all the things he's talked about. He looks back at all the different practical aspects he's taught us over the last three and a half, four chapters. And I think he also is reflecting even forward as to the things he's going to talk about. And we've been walking through this step by step. What are the practical ways we live out our faith? We've been talking about all the things that we're supposed to do. And now the question is, what are we doing with that? What are we going to do with it? Jump in with me, verse 13, chapter 4. Look here. You who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Hmm. I don't think that takes a whole lot of explanation, but I do want to give you a little bit of context. James is talking to the church in a time where towns are popping up all over the place. Civilization really is developing at this point. And he's speaking to the Jews in the church, and the Jews were known for their skill in business. And so James is talking to some business people who, as these towns would pop up around them, they would be the ones to move into the town and really to get the economy started, you might say. They were the merchants. They were the, the men who were doing the trade. And so he's talking to guys who are looking around at what's happening, and they're going, okay, there's a town developing over here. I'm going to move there for a year and I'm going to do my business, and I'm going to do trade, and I'm going to get everything started, and I'm going to make lots of money. And in a year's time, I'm going to be able to come back here with all the wealth that I need to do what I want, to be able to sit back, sit pretty, relax, enjoy life. And James says, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to plan 
your life a year in advance and to say exactly where you're going to be and to, to have this beautiful picture and have you even stopped to think about or ask God where he wants you to be or what he wants you to do? See, James is talking to the businessmen in his church, but I think he could just as easily be talking to you and me. Because don't we do the same thing? We have our plans, we have our, our business plan, we look ahead, we scope things out, and we, we know exactly where we're going and where we want to be and how we want to get there and the lifestyle we want to live. We've got it all figured out. But how many times do we stop and ask God, what do you want me to do? God, what are you asking of me? Where do you want me to be? How do you want me to live? What is it that you want me to accomplish? See, I think sometimes we're really good about having our own plans. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're following God's plans. For us, our lives are a big deal, aren't they? We count them by hours, days, weeks, months, years. Our lives are a big deal. But look at what James said. Our lives are like a morning fog that quickly disappears. Or some versions say it's, it's like a, a vapor in the wind. It's this fleeting moment in the perspective of eternity. But to us, it's a big deal. It's kind of like surgery. You know the difference between major surgery and minor surgery? Major surgery is when I'm having surgery, and minor surgery is when you're having surgery. Isn't that true? How do we look at those kinds of things? It's a big deal when we're the ones involved, right? We think about it a little differently. But that's how our lives are. And sometimes we're stuck in just our perspective. I'm sure some of you are sitting there thinking, okay, I get it, God's in control, I'm not, he's the one making the plans, I'm not, I need to ask him about it, I need to be following his ways. Okay, I've heard you say that a hundred thousand times at church, could you just shut up about it and let it be? The question is, do you really get it? Do you really? Because I think we understand it logically, but I don't know that we always get it, if you know what I mean. I think we would say God's in control, but we still live our lives often like we're in control. We still do the things that we want to do instead of necessarily following God's plan. This morning's passage has four verses. You've already heard three of them. But look at what he says in the fourth verse, 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Wait a minute. I thought sin was when you did something wrong. But here he's saying it's sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. In other words, kind of a sin of omission instead of a sin of commission you might think. And it doesn't take a lot of explanation for that verse either, does it? James is pretty blunt. I like him. He's to the point. He doesn't beat around the bush. And if you stop and think about it, he's probably got pretty good perspective. I mean, this is the brother of Jesus. He might know what he's talking about. He might have learned something along the way. It's sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. In other words, I think what he's saying is talking the talk without walking the walk, is sinful. Hmm. Have you heard that before somewhere in this study we've done? It's not just about talk. It's not just about the things that we know are right and wrong. It's about 
how we put our faith to action. It's about what we do with it. Let's be real for a moment. Here's where I think we get tripped up all the time. I hear people make comments all the time about, well, I don't know what God's asking me to do. I don't really know what I should be doing for God or what I should be doing for the kingdom or what it is that God's asking in my life. And I don't believe that. I don't think God hides his wisdom from us. I don't think it is that we don't know what we're supposed to do. I think it's a question of do we want to do what we're supposed to do. You know, a few months back at Easter time, I was talking with you about the the resurrection power of Christ, and I challenged you near the end of service to write on a note card, what are some areas of your life that you need the resurrection power of Christ to show up in your life? And quite honestly, I was expecting to get some cards back with these big, traumatic kind of crisis moments in our lives, and I didn't. There were a few, but you know what most of the cards reflected? The book of James, practical Christianity, Day-to-day little things. Things like, I know I'm supposed to be reading my Bible, but I don't do it very well. Things like, I need to spend more time praying, and I'm, I want God to show up in that area to help me pray better. Things like, my relationship with my spouse isn't the best right now, and I know I need to ask forgiveness, or I know we need to sit down and talk, but that's hard to do. They were the little, simple-seeming things that we were struggling with. And it was things that God obviously had laid on our hearts. So the question was not, what is God asking us to do? The question is, will I do it this time? Will I be obedient this time? Will I respond to the things that he's asking me? It's a little different way of looking at it, different way of asking the question, isn't it? You see, I'm convinced that we're in a battle. Constantly, we're in a battle. The closer we get to God, the closer that relationship develops, the the more we fall in love with him, the more Satan's going to attack in our lives. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking with people from Fresh Encounter. It's the class that's happening on Sunday nights. And Fresh Encounter is designed to be that revival of heart, to, to help people connect to Scripture and see how God's moving in their lives. And I'm hearing the same story over and over as I talk to different people. And the story goes a little bit like this. I've never felt so close to God. I'm drawing closer each week. It's been exciting. I'm memorizing scripture. I'm excited to do my daily quiet time. I've got all these things going that's amazing. But, and then each of them follows it up with, this is where Satan's attacking me right now. Either I've got this health problem that's come back, or I'm struggling with the way I talk to my kids, or I'm struggling in this relationship, or whatever it may be. Some people have been as simple as, They went home and 14 things broke at the house and life just got crazy and chaotic. I still believe that's Satan attacking in those areas. And that's what happens. The closer you draw to God, the more Satan's going to attack. The more real the battle's going to become. God's doing amazing things at TBA. He continues to reveal new pieces of vision. There's exciting things happening in multiple areas of our church But that's all just great potential until we get serious about it and are ready to do something. When we quit talking and start walking, that's when that changes. And so I think we're posed with that question as a church, are we going to talk about it or are we going to do something about it? And we can keep doing what we've always done and keep fighting the battle on our own and keep failing or we can choose to surrender. Surrender. 
And we can choose to let God be in control as if he's not already. But we can choose to surrender our hearts and allow him to lead. What are we going to do about it? I read a story this past week, and I think I've even shared this here before at some point, but it just was a huge reminder to me of this concept. There was a story about this, this naval officer, and he had a dream to be the commander of a battleship. And so he goes through boot camp and does all of his stuff, and he works his way up through the ranks as a naval officer, and he eventually becomes the captain of a battleship. He's achieved his goal, and he's so excited. Not only did he become the captain of a battleship, but he became a captain of a brand-new battleship, this huge, powerful boat. And he's so excited, and he takes his command, and they start out on their first journey, and they're a few weeks into the journey, and, and they have one night where storms come rolling up, and the waves are tossing, and the rain's coming, and the thunder and lightning, and it's crazy. And, and even as big as this battleship is, it's still kind of up and down in the water on the waves, and the captain's at the helm on the bridge watching what's going on, and he looks out across the horizon, and he sees this light that's approaching them. And the ship's bouncing on the waves, and so the light kind of comes and goes and comes and goes, and he goes, that's a boat coming at us. And so he sends a message up to his, his guy on top, and they're flashing the lights, doing Morse code or however it is they communicate, and they send a message and it says, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. And a little bit later, a message comes back saying, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. And the captain went, who is this person and what are they thinking? So he sends a message back, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I'm the captain. And the message comes back, no, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I'm seaman third class Jones. And he goes, who? And this time he's furious and he runs and he does the signal himself with the light and he says, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I'm a battleship. And the message comes back, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I'm a lighthouse. Think about it. Some of you will get it in a minute. Here's what I want to know. How many times do we have that fight with God where we try to get Him to do what we want instead of listening to what He's saying to us because it doesn't line up with where we think we should be going? How many times does God ask us to do something and we struggle to be obedient because it doesn't seem to fit our plan. How often are we sinning because we know what we ought to be doing and we know what God's asking us to do, but we just keep sitting back and not doing it? That gets pretty blunt, doesn't it? It's amazing how much the writer can say in four verses to grab our attention. So here's the question I would ask you today. What's God asking of you? What is he asking of you? There's a picture of the lighthouse. You can see how a boat would mistake it. What's he asking of you? We're going to do something a little different this morning. I told you God lay something on my heart and we kind of changed things up for this and I've asked Brandon just to sit off to the side this morning. He's going to play and, and sing and, and really just sing over you. Um, I want you to have a time to reflect, just like James is doing in the passage. And as you do that, if, if you want to participate in worship at some point, feel free. The words of the songs aren't going to be on the screen. He's just going to sing beside us. 
I want you to just have some time to think. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What is God asking of you? Let me give you some examples of what it might look like. Maybe he's asking you something really simple like spending daily quiet time with him. Spending time reading his word. Spending time in prayer. Building the relationship. You know, a lot of us don't do a real good job of that. We say God's the most important thing in our lives, but do we act like it? Do we reflect it in the way we live our lives? Maybe God's asking you to serve somewhere. Step out of your comfort zone and do something that seems crazy to you. You know what he's laid on your heart. Are you doing it or are you running away from it? Maybe your response this morning needs to be to write down on your connection card what ministry it is you need information. Or maybe it's not a ministry here at TBA. Maybe it's somewhere else. That's okay too. Maybe you need to go out in the lobby and make a phone call and sign up. Or maybe you need to go home and get online and sign up or do whatever you need to do. What's God asking you to do? How's he asking you to step out of your comfort zone and do something different? What if he's asking you about restoring relationship? A couple weeks ago, we gave you a card to take home and write a note to someone asking for forgiveness or taking a step towards restoring a broken relationship. I wonder how many of you did that. And if you did, I wonder how many of you have followed up since then, have asked other questions or explored further or had more conversation. What does that journey look like? What if he's asking you to just encourage someone? Maybe you need to walk across the room and encourage somebody this morning. Maybe you need to go make a phone call to encourage somebody. Maybe you need to sit down and write a note to them. What if he's just simply asking you to pray for somebody? I'll say it's funny, and it's not really funny, but we were talking a while ago after first service, and somebody made the comment, if you can't think of anybody to pray for, don't you think there's something wrong? Think about that. If you can't think of anybody you need to pray for, maybe we should be gathering around you and praying for you. If you need somebody to pray for, I can give you a list of names. Monday morning we lost one of our church family members. Elva Harris passed away. A great lady. Pray for her family. I found out yesterday that Chuck and Miranda Nemeth are traveling today. Chuck lost his father Tuesday. Pray for their family. Teresa Gehring, Brenda Cressy, others in our church family battling cancer. People sick all around us. Pray for them. Maybe he's asking you to pray for the world. If you've watched the news lately, you know our world needs prayer. All kinds of economic crisis and ISIS and shootings at places and you name it. There's stuff going on all around us that we need to be praying for. And so many times I think we have a lot of conversation about all those things, but I wonder how much time we spend praying about those things. Take some time to pray for TBA, to pray for our next steps, to pray about the direction God is taking us. Take some time to pray for our kids at TBA. If you weren't here yesterday at the kids' conference, you missed an amazing day. It was awesome to see the vision and the direction and the things that are coming for our kids, but more importantly, to be reminded of how important it is that we're praying for our kids day in and day out. You know, I, I heard a statistic yesterday I'd never heard before and didn't realize. Over 90% of our church leaders today are kids who came to Christ before the age of 13. Now tell me our kids' ministry is not important. Wow. 
And you know who leads most of those kids under 13 to Christ? Other kids who are under the age of 13. We need to be praying for our kids, praying for our kids' leaders, praying for that ministry that's happening. Pray for our small groups, the relationships that are happening there and the growth that's happening in people as they walk their faith out. Pray for our pastor team. We need it. We're a bunch of messed up guys trying to figure this out and follow God the best we can. We need your prayers. Pray for all of our staff as we try to be obedient as God gives direction. The next few minutes may be a little uncomfortable for you. This is something we don't typically do on a Sunday morning. That's okay. Brandon's going to play a few songs, and this is your time to respond however you think you need to. If you want to stand and worship, do that. If you want to come and kneel and pray, do that. Some of our prayer team, myself, will be available up front if you need somebody to pray with you or talk to you. If you need to go encourage somebody or pray with somebody or or just share something with somebody, go do it. Walk across the room, go to the lobby, call them, do whatever you need to do. If you need to sign up to serve, write it on your connection card or go talk to the ministry leader that you know. See, I don't think the question is about whether or not God's laying something on our heart. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to keep talking about it or are we going to do something? And the only thing we can do is come to God with a surrendered heart, humbled, on our knees, praying and asking Him to lead and direct and to give us the courage and give us the strength to do those things. So that's my challenge today is, what's God asking you? And what are you going to do with it? I'm going to pray and then Brandon's going to sing and you respond as God leads. God, we just thank you that you love us enough to lay those things on our heart. We thank you that you care about us and you want to see us grow and you want to see us develop into the people you've called us to be. God, I'm just thankful that you truly are that lighthouse in our lives. That even when we become prideful and even when we think that we have a plan and we have it figured out, that you're still pointing us in the right direction. So God, I pray that this morning we would be humble enough to just kneel before you and surrender our hearts and ask you to take control and to lead. God, I pray that we'd be courageous enough to step out of our comfort zones and to step into those things that you're calling us to. God, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to apologize or to take that first step in restoring a relationship. Sometimes the hardest thing to do in in plugging in or serving somewhere is to take that first step to get involved. I just pray this morning that it would be about first steps, that you would help us to do that. God, I just pray that you would put your hand of blessing upon this church family, that we could be a church that's much more than just talking but a church that truly walks the walk in this community and makes a difference for your kingdom. God, we just pray that your spirit would move freely here this morning. We commit this time to you. In your name we pray. Amen.